welcome everybody to another episode of Conversing Labs. I'm your host, Paul Roberts. I'm the cyber content lead at Conversing Labs, and I'm very pleased to welcome back into the Conversing Labs studio, Carlo Zanke, who is a software threat researcher here at Reversing Labs. It's been a while since we've had you in. Welcome back, Carlo. Thank you. Hi, Paul. Glad to be here. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. So all of them who are listening. I painted my office red just for the occasion. Not really. We're we're here to talk today about the report that we came out with a few weeks back here at Reversing Labs, the state of software supply chain security. The research that you and your team did was really incremental to that report. I wanted to bring you in and talk over some of the findings. But before we do that, tell the audience, the folks here, just a little bit about the kind of work that you do here at Reversing Labs, like what your job is and what type of research you do. Thanks, Paul, for the invitation. I'm a software track researcher at Reversing Labs, and I'm, together with uh, two more persons, are a part of the track research team, and our uh, task is to monitor open source package repositories and try to find packages in those and improve our threat detection mechanism during that time. We do it on a daily basis and we try to keep up to date and find some interesting topics in that bunch of malicious patches that get published. And you've been doing this for a while, right? The software supply chain and researching open source threats, this is something that you've been doing for quite a while. Yeah, for more than two years, we are actually monitoring package repositories. So. It's relatively wild. Talk a little bit about some of the big trends that you're seeing in the work that you do just in terms of the threat landscape and for, for software supply chain risks, some of what has come across your radar. In the last three years, the focus of malicious actors is generally moving towards developers. They are recognizing developers as valuable targets, as some kind of power users, which uh, can be a good step into organizations. And software supply chain attacks are a way to compromise not only the direct targets, but also to cascadingly infect more valuable targets. Everything started with the first known most famous uh, software file chain attack on Sorvik's company. And in the past year, things continued in that way, and the number of malicious packages targeting developers increased both on the old target NPM users, and it has also moved towards new targets, which include PyPy, NuGet, and likely other repositories. The threat actors are... Uh, scaling things up and wider. So they're pushing more power on all repositories and they're trying to catch other repositories with their net also. Talk about monitoring software supply chain risks. Um, I think a lot of people hear that and their their head explodes. How do you even do that? Um, Because even just looking at the open source piece of this, that is just a huge landscape of open source projects, platforms, developers, hundreds of thousands, millions of developers. What do we mean by that? What types of information are we here at Reversing Labs collecting and from where, and how are we using it? Basically, we are processing the daily 
published packages for package repositories, which are thousands, tens of thousands of packages or various package repositories that get published each day, we process those packages which are detained in the platform, and that is a tool for static analysis. So we basically do static analysis during which we extract some behavior indicators, which can be a dozen, 150 behavior indicators per package and files inside the package, and we look for anomalies, for some suspicious combinations of behaviors in suspicious files. And we try to catch something interesting with that combinations of behaviors. So we did some research, we concluded, okay, uh, packages that do this and this mm-hmm. can be suspicious. And we tried mm-hmm. to detect such various behaviors. There are hundreds of behavior indicators that get extracted using our platform. And that's basically the way we scale that big number of published packages. So we try to minimize the landscape we need to look at. This isn't that different from the modern endpoint security. You don't look at malware based on a signature, but rather you're often looking for a set of behaviors or so on that, that makes it easier to find stuff. Yeah, but, but in this case, we're talking about the, the components, the kind of raw components of applications of stuff that might be hiding in code, really. Yeah, there are various types. In yeah. case of NPM and PyPy, we are mostly mm-hmm. analyzing source files because that's the way they get published in PyPy packages. But we also, right. the advantage of our platform is that we are capable of analyzing binary files. Yeah. For example, compiled binary and DLLs that mostly get published to NuGet repository. And the difference is that most of the traditional security solutions do some kind of dynamic analysis besides signature-based detections. And uh, we mainly, our main tool is static analysis. So we extract behaviors during static analysis. So 2023, which this state of software supply chain security reports, mostly in data that we compiled during 2023, a busy year in the software supply chain security space. So reversing labs on its own detected a number of malicious campaigns on open source platforms. And there were additional incidents as well that we didn't detect, but that we were able to help analyze. Talk about some of the malicious campaigns that caught your attention this year that you and your team discovered and why you find them interesting? Probably the most significant one in the past year was in March, uh, the attack on 3.6 company. Uh, it isn't. Why it's more, why it's it's more in is because it's commercial software. It has a large base of users. And yep. it was Voice over IP vendor, yep. Yeah, and it was conducted by a nation state attacker as attributed. So... Uh, it's advanced, APT advanced persistent threats, so the attacker was quite skillful. The whole attack was pretty complex. It was a cascading event. It all started with a compromised application, which led to the compromise of 3.6 applications. It's an example of how serious things can get, because the 3.6 clients, like with many other commercial software, receive automatic updates, and they trust that software because it's digitally signed and okay it's some implicit trust and you allow that software to be installed on your computer automatically that's what made that incident 
wide impact so to end users. So it's distributed during automatic updates of the software. Yeah. This is like everybody's worth worst nightmare if you're an enterprise, right? You're getting software updates all the time. Over the last couple of decades, we've really been pushing organizations to do automatic updates, right? To close that that yeah. patching window. So not only you're getting them, but you're in theory just applying them immediately and they arrive. And then boom, okay, this update had a backdoor in it. That basically what software supply chain attack is why it's so dangerous because <laughs> right. Somebody is infiltrating something you have trust in. In this case, we didn't discover the 3CX uh, compromise. I think Sentinel-1 was an endpoint EDR company that that detected the malicious behavior and and flagged it. And even then, it took a while for people to realize that it actually was a compromise. To be sure that the the reporting was true, positive, not false positive, it was a bit go here and there. But you, in particular, took a look at that compromised update binary file, analyzed it, and were able to find some real, as we put it, red flags that were in that before that might have tipped the company off to the fact that something was wrong with this update. Can you just talk about some of the things that you discovered? Yeah. The main point in that incident was uh, the presence of a signed DLL library, which had content dependent behind the digital signature. So that's really uncovered practice. If you see that, it's like suspicious. Because when somebody signs his software, he takes the software content, makes some hash out of the content, and creates digital signature which gets appended after it. And if you push something behind that isn't covered with digital signature, so why would you do something like that for legitimate purposes? So that's one of the biggest flags that flew over there, and it's not that hard to detect. So that was something that could be analyzed. But of course, for that, you need to be capable to uh, deconstruct the entire stellar package, which is not a simple task. So unpacking compiled uh, packages from the various stellar package types, it's a complex task, and that's something what which our product is good. It supports wild number of file formats that can be automatically unpacked during static analysis. So I don't mean running the sample in some sandbox and catching the dropped files. You push a package into our solution and we take apart statically without executing that package its components. And there the threat could be detected based on the hair indicators. And again, this is stuff that any software producer should be looking at as a way to identify unusual behavior that may not necessarily be malicious, but like you said, the sort of the coincidence of all these behaviors or, or features raises a likelihood yeah. that something is going gone. The first thing you need to do is to be aware of yep. the possibility for something like that to happen and yep. have procedures in your organization that force you to make security assessment of the software you are going to install on your system. I believe that most of the companies are still failing at this step. So you first yep. have to be aware that you need to do that. Then you need to 
make procedures to make it work, and then you need to employ tools which can help you do that. But I believe the gap is still too wide at the place where people are still not conscious enough about the possibility of such attack happening to mm. that. So one of the things that we called out in the state of software supply chain security was a big shift. First of all, an, a continued increase just in the number of malicious uh, packages we found on open source uh, repositories. So like you said, Python package index and PM, uh, NuGet, 28% increase year over year between 2022 and 2023. But a big shift in where we found those packages from historically NPM, which has the most open source projects and developers working on it, and therefore had the most threats this year in 2020, or last year rather, 2023, we saw a big shift here at Reversing Labs to the Python package index, PyPy, as where we were finding suspicious or malicious packages. Talk about that, Carlo. What explains that? Basically... I wouldn't even call it a shift. I would call it shift to mean that they lost the focus on that and turn it here. They are just expanding the net, which they are trying to. And instantly, there were several bigger campaigns, which included more packages published in an automated way, which are being the part of the same campaigns. So the numbers, for that reason, are a bit bigger. But I mentioned only 3.6 from the last year. There are also several original research which we detected, which are mentioning, as you said, NPM, PyPy, NuGet. And the attackers are constantly improving the techniques they are using these attacks. Regarding your question, I wouldn't call it shift, I would just call it as expansion. They are still present in NPM, they are periodically trying some new but they are also expanding to new repositories using their weaknesses to exploit them while, while okay. those repositories haven't adapted security measures to counter those threats. And regarding those situations, we had several blogs. One was talking about compiled PyPy files. So they were mm -hmm. using compiled Python files, which are harder to analyze than standard source code Python files, to hide malicious behavior in them. So they are just exploiting some weak spot in the PyPy repository. And we had operations from brain leeches targeting NPM packages. So yep. it's again a big campaign, several packages, which were combining both phishing campaign and software supply chain campaign in one a uh, big campaign, let's say. We said also VM Connect was big because it was conducted by a state-sponsored actor. We were able to attribute that actions to North Korean threat actors, which are one of the biggest contributors in the second half of 2003 because they are trying to infiltrate development organizations to steal Crypto tokens, logging right. credentials, similar stuff, right. wallet. So, because they are hunting for digital assets to aid them in financing their activities. That was a big story because in the second half of 2023, North Korean actors, state sponsors started targeting both NPM and PyPy repositories. So, that's another uh, example where we can see that they didn't turn focus, but they are targeting everything. Mm -hmm. We also had in the later 
uh, part of the year a campaign, I am reboot campaign targeting uh, Nougat repository. So I am reboot. We didn't see much malware being talked about found mm -hmm. in Nougat repository, but in the second half of the year, we managed to see that since August, there was a threat actor group that was continuously trying to push malicious packages to Nougat, and they are constantly mm -hmm. using bracing edge techniques to yeah. acquire execution. Mm -hmm. They were employing three different techniques, which were quite novel, not so novel they were seen before, but weren't talked a lot about and weren't uh, used previously by malware. So mm -hmm. we see activity across all package repositories and the attackers are trying to push where they feel they have the most capabilities. I know, obviously, in the just in the traditional um, malware threat landscape, there are highly targeted kind of custom malware designed for specific environments or specific targets. But obviously, most of the activity is low-skill, automated, spammy-type stuff. Do we see the same dynamic playing out in the open source space? I know our report, like we we would filter out what we considered sort of spam campaigns that were just automated and low quality, low effort, just to have a higher fidelity kind of data stream. But do we see that same dynamic playing out in the software supply chain context where, again, you might have an automated campaign that's throwing thousands of packages into a package manager like NPM. Always like the pyramid. You have the biggest portion of attacks are low complexity attacks and the smallest number of uh, samples are high complexity. But in the later half, last two or three months, we have seen a big increase in usage of open source platforms and open source malware used during these campaigns. There are a bunch of open source malware hosted on GitHub and Empire Framework, Havoc Malware, Torcorat, different kinds of malware which get published to GitHub with that always note, don't use this for only educational purposes. So malware is using open source malware, that's like software is using open source software, they are adapting the same logic. Such a big number of open source malware makes it easier for malware authors to create those simple malware with low complexity that gets published mm -hmm. most of the time. But here and then we see custom malware which gets used in targeting campaigns like 3.6. We, and that is high value malware with the biggest impact for the end mm -hmm. user. So it's always like a pyramid. And with that 3CX attack, I think we know that the ultimate target of that attack were 3CX customers who were in the cryptocurrency industry. It was a small number of the customers who actually got targeted and there seemed to be a common thread of the links to crypto. So we've talked about two, two different kind of scenarios here. One, 3CX, a commercial software, closed source, that's used by a lot of companies, large and small. And the other, just these wide-ranging open source threats as a, let's just take like the software producer side. You're making software. You're almost certainly using open source modules and components, libraries in whatever application you're making. You're also probably using proprietary closed source components. 
what do you do as a software producer to assess the risk both from the open source stuff you're using and from the proprietary closed source stuff? There are several steps which you should do, but you should always be aware yeah. that the potential risk can be present anywhere. One of suggestion is to make some trust checks. Is it a verified publisher? How often does he publish? Is this the first version of the package? That is okay. There are good heuristics, but you can take example of Ledger Connect Kit case. In that case, you had a trusted publisher who lost control over his NPM account and malware got published. Malicious versions of that package got published up there and in matter of hours, four to six hours, a lot of customers downloaded malicious versions of that. So trust factor itself isn't enough to make sure that there is no malware in your package. What you should do is always check what you use in your product, make security assessment of it, not just trust-based, but use tools that can help you find malware inside. Most of the developers don't have their knowledge, nor technology, nor capabilities, nor time to make security assessment of all that open source packages they are going to use. But there are tools out there which can help you with that. And the second thing you need to do is also make sure that you verify what you are distributing to your customers. When you package something, you don't just go away gear to them. Make a validation that you don't have malware inside that. That it's exactly what you wanted it to have. That there are no some strange behaviors in it. You always need to so verify what you're putting into your product and verify what you are distributing to your what? software. Like 36 case, they could have detected the malware before it got to their customers if they analyzed what was coming out, even if they didn't catch it on the input. Okay, final question is the flip side of that, which is as the end user, as a software consumer, the end user organization, again, you're downloading software and updates from all different vendors. And what lessons should you be taking from a report like State of Software Supply Chain Security? What should you be doing differently to address this risk that, hey, that software update, that signed software update may be malware? Again, you likely have even more knowledge, capabilities, money, and resources to make security assessments of the software which you are going to use. But the same thing, you should be in the same position as the developer. You should try to write through some security tool that can help you with that and try to analyze if it contains securities. You likely won't be able to do any security assessment on your own. You will have to use no. some tools. But you need to be aware that there is threat for you, especially in today's world when there are lots of users of cryptocurrency. I don't want to offense anything, but people from Plumber all the way to financial broker are doing crypto today. And they are all in danger of losing their digital assets by installing untrusted software onto their computers. So everybody should be aware of that. Final, final question. 
looking ahead in 2024, any interesting trends or patterns that you're seeing that organizations, software producers, software consumers should be mindful of, should be thinking about or aware of just in the threat landscape? I believe that the package repositories will still still get uh, crumbled with malware samples published to them and things which uh, community should be looking at is uh, malware is going to use open source infrastructure for malicious purposes more and more it's like using github for hosting malware for issuing commands to malware and similar stuff the malware authors are adapting all the time and they are always using breaking edge technologies I don't know, non-mainstream languages like Rust or Go, they are compiling things using Nuitka compilers, for example, or Python. So they're always using non-mainstream technologies. Besides using the regular stuff, you need to be aware of that too. But the main, I believe, trend in the next year is going to be usage of open source infrastructure for malicious purposes, and it's going to scale up. We have seen it on PyPy, we have seen it on Nougat, we have seen it on NPM, so it's something that is going to be present all the way. Regardless, I believe one of the main targets will remain crypto assets. Easy. If, if, if that's your industry, you need to be particular. Yeah, it's the easy money. And there are targets of typical, typical criminals, financial motivates, and also state-sponsored attackers like North Korean, which are seeing that as a, mm-hmm. one of the main funding in foreign currency, let's say. <laughs> So you should be aware that cryptocurrency are one of the main targets. Kolozanki, software threat researcher at Reversing Labs. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about the state of software supply chain security 2024. And uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you, Paul. I had a great time. Hope to see you soon. As did we. Absolutely.